spiders. I heard spiders. All right, yell it out one more time on three. One, two, three. All right. I heard. That's what I heard. So you guys are afraid of. Yes. That's what all that sounded like. So you are afraid of many things. Now let me get, can I, can I give you an answer of what I think one of the big things you might be afraid of that aren't, it's not super obvious. Not super obvious, but here's what I think you may be afraid of. Okay, here's what you got to do. Just go like this. Put your hands up like this. And put your hands all the way up in the air like this. All right. And now just go like this. Point up to the sky. And then I want you to bring your hands down across your body and rest right there. This is who I think you're most afraid of. I know, right? Weird. 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 This is who you're most afraid of. Okay, time out, time out. Okay, I know, I know you're like, hold on, this is my BFF for life. I'm not afraid of them. Or some of you are, are looking at the person you're pointing to and like, shoot, I'm buff. They're not buff like me. I got this. I ain't afraid of them. I get it. I get it. I get it. But here's what I think. I think maybe you're not physically afraid of them, but so often... One of the biggest fears you and I carry are the fears of what the people next to us think about us. Oh, we're so afraid of what they will think about us. You were probably even thinking about it when you got dressed this morning. What will they say? What will they think? How, how will I be received if I wear this? How will I, what are they going to think about me? Or, or some of the ladies, ooh, I've been liking that boy for so long. What will they think? They my camp crush. Let's go. Or the fellas, uh, you're stupid, right? <laughs> she likes you, bro. She has a crush on you, bro. Like, that's how we roll. That's how we roll. Like, here's the thing. Here's the thing, fam. I love, I love God's word. I love the scriptures. And here's what I know. I know that the scriptures make sense in every one of our lives right now. The word of God is not some ancient artifact that is irrelevant to the things that we experience and go through today. The word of God is not some book that has been on a shelf that has expired and it has no place in any of our lives today. No, the word of God, God's word fits right where we are. It meets us right where we are and it reveals to us a God who is with us right where we are. But the first challenge today is do you have the fear of God? Or the fear of friend? Is it the fear of God bigger in your life? Or is it the fear of friend? And what I mean by the fear of God is, is whose words carry the most weight in your life? As a dad, I have four kids. And as my kids are getting older, um, the playing field of parenting changes. It's no longer I, I, am, I, I, I am like, this is what we do. This is how you do it. Do it. Get it done. There's a little bit of that still. However, it's more of a player coach 
where I'm like, now I'm kind of just coaching them a little bit, 17 years old. I'm like, all right, here's what, here's what I would do. Here's what I think. Here's what God's word says about this. And so it's kind of the, the, the playing field, the, the game has changed a little bit. And what I am finding as a parent that is so important to me is do my words carry weight in my children's lives? Meaning, do my kids care about what I say? Do they care about what I say even more than maybe what their friends say? Do they care about what I say even more than maybe what that inner voice says? Because here's what's awesome. Maybe you look and you're not like, I don't fear these guys here. But maybe you don't fear here, but maybe you fear here. Meaning maybe that inner voice that you struggle with at times, maybe that inner voice tells you, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. They look better than me. They're doing better than me. And on the inside, and I'm just going to keep it real, safe space, that's how I feel at times. I can't tell you how often I talk myself out of what God has created and called me to do. I can't tell you how often I talk myself out of all the good things that God has done because of one thing that is like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that happened. How did that happen? It's ruined everything. I'm that guy that 35,000 good things can happen, but one bad thing happens, and I'm like, mm, the bad thing rules the world. Anybody else like that? Safe space. Hallelujah. Safe space. How did Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel get to a place where they said, uh-uh, I'm going to fear God over the fear of man or the fear of friends. I'm going to fear God. I won't look like the world looks. I won't do what the world is doing. And we're going to look at it right here, Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 3. It says this. Then the king ordered Aspenath, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Verse 6, among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So this is what we saw played out in the movie. We saw, we saw them being taken captive. They are exiles. They are forced to live in a world that is not their own. And we talked about how you and I are exiles. We're forced to live in a world that is not our own. And here's what's bananas, family. This world is not just different. This world is hostile towards Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's not just different. It's not about fitting in. It's about completely attacking your identity. 
You see, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, he didn't want them to just fit in. He wanted them to identify with the world that they were living in now. So he stripped them of their identity. And that's what the world will do to you and I today. The world will attack our identity. The world will tell you that you are not made in the image of a wonderful God. The world will tell you that your God has left you and forsaken you. And like the guy said, your, your world is far off and your God is even further off. And here's the thing. The world will tell us that, but can we keep it real? Our feelings at time will tell us that. And it's bananas because they changed their name. They changed their name. And in this world, in this culture, a name talks to your destiny. A name spoke to who you were destined to be. It wasn't just this is a cool, trendy name for the year 2023 or the years that you were born. This isn't just a cool, trendy name. When Daniel was named Daniel, it meant God is my judge. So his name reflected who he was and his name reflected the character of his God. And so King Nebuchadnezzar said, mm -mm, we got to strip all of that away from you. And so I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a new identity. See, it's the world is, is, is not just different. It's not just trying to make us fit in. It's trying to make us look like we don't serve a God who is with us, who is for us, who loves us. So how did Daniel learn to stand? Right there, verse 8, Daniel 1, verse 8, it says, but Daniel resolved. Say resolved. Oh, say it with some resolve. Say resolved. Oh, say it like kind of aggressive, like resolve. Oh, okay. I got scared right there. Some of y'all was really aggressive. Thank you. Resolve. Yes, resolve. This is what Daniel, see, he resolved in his heart that he would serve God. Just like our two characters did in the film. They resolved in their heart that they would serve God no matter what the circumstances was. But here's the thing. How many of you have been in a position where, like, okay, maybe on Sunday you was like, okay, cool, I'm going to serve the Lord. Hallelujah, I got this. The Lord is good. He is great. Mm -mm, amen. And then the next week you find yourself in a position surrounded by people where you're like, I don't, I know I probably shouldn't be talking like this. I know I probably shouldn't be doing this. I probably shouldn't be looking at this. But when in Rome, just like the girl, like she was eating everything and she ended up getting sick. Has anybody ever been in that position? Have you ever been in a position where everybody around you is doing something and you feel like, ah, oh, I shouldn't do it, but you end up doing it anyway? Oh, can I tell you and encourage you, what Daniel did is before he got into the fight, he resolved and decided who he was fighting for. Oh, before he got into the battle, he knew whose king he was going to serve. He knew his God before he got into the position to worship other gods. That's where it begins. Daniel resolved. 
He resolved. And that's how you and I, that's how we begin to get our Daniel on. We resolve that we are going to serve God. Before we get into the hard place to serve him, we determine and declare, this is my God. This is who I am going to serve. Hallelujah. No matter what. Why? Because God is sovereign, remember? Remember we said, we said, we said God is sovereign. So, so if you take notes, write this down. Resolve to stand firm. Resolve to stand firm. Resolve and remember. Resolve and remember. So resolve is I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to stand firm. Before I get into that hard position, I'm going to take a stand right here, right now. That's how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are able to stand up to the fiery furnace threat. Because they resolved before they got there that they were going to serve God. Because God is sovereign. Remember what that means? It means he is the boss. He is in control. He calls the shots and has the authority. He is without equal. He is the king of kings, lord of lords, without limitations. He is outside of time. He is infinite. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is the ruler of everything. Whoo, that is our God. And look at y'all. None of y'all got excited about that. I know, I know. Give it to me a little bit. But here's the thing. Here's what I think is very telling. I could tell you how sovereign God is until I am blue in the face. But who cares? I know, look at y'all. Blasphemy! Get him out of the camp! Never bring him back! He's saying crazy things! I'm keeping it real. Because people don't care how in control God is. If we don't settle one fact about the character of God. A.W. Tozer, a theologian, a a theologian, he said this. He said, said, um, the most telling thing about you is what you think about God when you think about God. What you think about God when you think about God. When I was your age, here's what I thought about God. I thought I had to perform in order for God to love me. I thought I had to perform and jump through all these hoops. And the moment that I wasn't performing good, God turned his back on me. He didn't like me. He didn't love me. He didn't want me to be in his presence. And I felt that shame. And so I would go and walk away and just be like, I shouldn't even be here. I've been sinning. I've been doing all this stuff. And I looked and I thought that God was a God that was up on this cloud looking down on me, pointing his finger, saying, you sinner, you are destined for hell because you keep sinning. Turn around burn. That's what I thought about God. And then in one of the most tragic moments in my life, I got introduced to the love of God because I was chasing, I was chasing the love of people. My parents split when I was very young in elementary school. And so I found myself chasing the love of a father. And if I can just perform well enough, my dad will be come back. If I could just perform well enough, he'll show up to my shows and he'll like me. And that turned into, okay, I'm going to be an actor and I'm just going to perform in front of the whole world so that the whole world can see I'm gifted, I'm talented, I am good, I am worthy of love, I am worthy of being liked. So that was my pursuit. And then God came in and shifted everything. 
My house burned down. My mom was miraculously saved in a house fire. And that's when it was like, oh, my goodness, maybe I'm not as in control as I thought I was. Maybe the things that I thought mattered, maybe they don't matter as much. And I began to get to know Jesus, and I got introduced to the love. And it was a love that I didn't have to earn. It was a love that I didn't have to, like, figure out. And I, and I, and I just, I, just, I, I want to show you, I want to show you this because one of the things, in order for us to trust a God who is sovereign, that is true about him. To trust a God who is super omni, that is true about him. We have to resolve to serve him before we get thrown into the fire. But we have to resolve that our God is good. Our God is good, y'all. But here's the thing. The enemy always attacks God's goodness. It started from the beginning. In the beginning, when the enemy came in, in as a form of a serpent, came in and said, "Is your God? did your God really say this? Your God doesn't have your best interest at hand. So the goodness of God is always attacked. The goodness of God. Is God really good? If he's good, then why did this happen to you? If he's good, then why are you going through this? If he's good, then why does this happen in the world? Family, we live in a fallen world. Sin came in with Adam and Eve, and our world began to die and be destroyed. That is the reality of our world. But when we are faced with the reality of our world, we have to know the reality of our God. I don't know what that was, but I got excited. My knees just was like, ooh, that's good. And the reality of our God is this, because the enemy be trying to tell us that God isn't good. So I don't, I'm like, uh, get out of here, devil. You don't, you, don't, you don't know. So here's what I bought. I bought this little weapon. I bought this little weapon to show y'all. Let me see if I can strap it on because it, it just gives the effect better. Let me strap this. You know what I'm saying. King, 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 king. Let me king. Okay, whatever. All right. Yeah. Other way. No. There we goes. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's God's goodness. This is God's goodness right here. Yes, it is. And sometimes you got to hit somebody over the head with God's goodness. So I will be available right after chapel. If any youth leaders need their students to be smacked around, I got, no. But I brought, I, I brought God's goodness because sometimes I find with myself I have to just pow, remind myself that God is good. And here's what I want to tell you, family. Let me give you an idea of how we see God's goodness. So this, this is God's goodness right here. This is God's goodness. And so often, here's how we see the goodness of God. I brought these blocks here. And Let's say the, this, this block right here represents um, my friendships. When things are going good in my friendships, God is good. Mm, I love my friends. When things are going good in my family, 
what? My social media presence, fire right now. Let's go. It's, I'm killing it. I got like 20 likes on that last post. That was good. So good. So good. It was so good. So, so good. 20 likes. So good. Camp is going good, amen? Come on, let's, come on. God is good. Camp is good. God is good. Camp is good. And uh, the last thing, my grades. Baller. <laughs> baller grades. I got baller grades. Okay. So these are some of the most important things in my life. And when things are going good in my life, God is good, right? When things are going good, God is good. And so we take God's goodness and we place his goodness on the circumstances in our life. And we try to balance God's goodness on the good things going on in our life. And I don't know if y'all are scared, but I am. Because if I move this finger, I'm afraid that my circumstances won't hold up God's goodness. I'm afraid that my circumstances will tell me that God really isn't good. I'm afraid that the feed, my social media feed, will tell me that God isn't good. That relationship is failing. So, oh my gosh, God isn't good. And when the circumstances start to fall apart, all of a sudden, God is no longer good. When my mom and dad split up, all of a sudden, I thought God wasn't good because my family wasn't good. My family fell apart. Where's God? My grades are falling apart. Where's God? My circumstances suck. Where's God? Here's the thing. These things were not meant to uphold God's goodness. It's not a firm foundation. It's not a firm foundation. Just because things are good doesn't determine our God's goodness. But here's what we do when we get the goodness of God. We take the circumstances and we start here. We start right there. This is where we fight from. This is the foundation we start from. And that's what Daniel resolved, was that no matter what, my God is good. I start with a good God. I don't get, God doesn't get good when he does good things. He starts good. He starts good. And when things begin to happen, look, now, whole oh, family, social media, grades, Sports, all of these things now are on the foundation of God's goodness. And when something happens, oh, family sucks, domino, God is still good. God is still good. Oh, some of you walked up here and you said your God, you came up to church camp and you said your God isn't good because these things are going so bad in my life. And I'm here to tell you, the foundation is God's goodness. 
we start off with a good God. We start off with a good God. We start off with a good God. This is unchanging, and this is what we have to resolve to be, to believe in. This does not change. Oh, when my house burned down. See, God is the only, he's the one who says I can work all things for the good. What does that mean? That bad things may happen in your life, but we serve a good God who can work good, bad things for the This is where we start. Your feelings. Ooh. Ooh, come on. I'm in somebody's backyard right now. I just stepped in your backyard and I'm skipping in your backyard. Because you, you go with your feelings. And here's the thing. Our feelings are great. God gave them to us. They're really great passengers, but our feelings shouldn't be driving the car of our life. Oh, give them a seat in the car. Some of y'all are so, you got to tell your feelings like, hey, go sit in the back seat for a second because you're getting on my nerves. He's no, go sit in the back seat. Sit in the back seat. But so often we base God's goodness on our feelings. I feel good, God is good. I feel good, God is good. Oh, I'm here to tell you, family, that no matter what we feel, our God is good. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they believed that about their God. Psalm 107 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Psalm 86, five says, oh Lord, you are good. So ready to forgive. So full of unfailing love for all who ask for help. James 1:17. whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our father who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Psalm 34, eight, Taste and see, mm, hallelujah, that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. I want to tell you and lay this before you, family. That the reason why we can rejoice in the sovereignty of God, the super omni of God, his omniscience, all-knowing, his omnipresence, ever-present, his omnipotence, all-powerful. The reason why we, us as a family, we can trust that is because the foundation of his character is good. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. So we end here. Resolve to stand firm now. That's what Daniel did. Be rooted in the firm foundation of God's goodness. And then this last one, be rooted in the firm foundation of God's word. Whose word carries more weight? Because you only know how good he is based on how much you know what his word says about him. Oh, if you have a little bit of his word, you only know a little bit of his goodness. But if you stay in his word, and you keep reading it, even when it doesn't make sense, you go and ask for help. When you and I do this, then we learn and then we experience how good our God really is. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good.
So whose word carries more weight? God, a good God or a good friend? Good God. Bow your heads, close your eyes, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much that you are good. Ah, thank you that as a family, we can resolve right now to stand for you. Before we go back to our school campuses, before we go back online, before we enter into the world that is our family and the mixed bag that maybe is social media and all of these different things, God, I thank you that you've called us here for such a time as this ah, to encounter your goodness. So as a family, we resolve that you are good and your word carries the weight. Will you, will you write that on our hearts? Spirit of God, will you make that the biggest word that we receive? Will that seed grow to be bigger than all the other seeds that have been sown in our lives? Will you do it in the way that only you can? We thank you for it now. You are good, and your goodness is running after us. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Can you guys give it up for Damien one more time?